find there, Ezekiel chapter 34, I really like that chapter, and I'm just going to summarize some thoughts here, because it's a chapter where God kind of gets on the ministers, to be honest with you. And he talks about shepherds, and he uses the word, woe unto you shepherds. Well, that's not necessarily encouraging. So what the Lord is doing right there is he's actually rebuking the shepherds because their sheep don't look very good. So he talks about how that they're not fed. He talks about how that they're sick. He talks about how that they're broken. He talks about how that they're, they're run off from the flock and they're scattered. And he said, and yet you sit around and you feed yourselves and you get fat and your sheep are lost. And then I love what comes next. Of course, that's something, obviously, that, that your pastor and I, as ministers, we have to really take heed to those kind of thoughts because those thoughts are, are the reason why we're here is, is for the sheep. There's a lot of places. In fact, the greatest majority of places that call themselves a church where people meet together, the pastors have absolutely no idea what's going on with the sheep. They just pontificate from the pulpit and, and then run and jump into their Lexus and then speed off to their nice homes. Thank you for all that enthusiasm. <laughs> See, there's some things that are wrong about that. This is a great size of a congregation, amen, to begin to what? Really find out how you're doing. That's awesome. And that's what we're about. Making sure that you're having success. What is success? Having your prayers answered. Learning how to um, take the value away from this life and give it to God. Learning how to not buy into drama. Oh my gosh, if you would just not have any drama this week, you would think that God's peace has flooded your soul. Amen. And the greatest majority of it is just not buying into it because there's drama everywhere you go, just not participating. In other words, you know, someone, you know, someone spills uh, milk and it runs down, um, you know, the cupboard and the mom just goes off. Oh, my God, look at the mess you made. Now it's running down the cupboards. Oh, my God, we're going to have to. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Now the dog is getting into it. And it just elevates from one place to the next, and the kids are thinking, oh, no, my God, I'm in trouble. It's just everybody, now there's tension, there's drama, there's strife. Well, just put a blanket over the Holy Ghost as though he's not there. Because that kind of acknowledgement is exactly how you lose the voice of the Holy Spirit. It's nonsense. In other words, 10 days from now, you will forget that it ever happened. So how important is it? Oh, my God, i got to study for this test. I'm just so freaked out. I just don't know. I mean, I guarantee you, 10 years from now, you'll forget what was even on the test. And it's possible 10 minutes from taking it, you'll forget what's on the test. But we literally buy into all this. And it's not necessary. 
You could have easily said, hey, you hold one dog there, you hold one dog there, on the count of three, turn them loose, and let's see which one licks it up the fastest. <laughs> and you could have diffused the whole thing like it's no big deal, right? So when, when God's speaking to uh, the shepherds here, I love what I see next is God said, since you won't do anything, I'll take care of them. I'll heal them. I'll bring them back. I'll bind up their wounds and the broken bones. I'll make sure that they're beautified. I love the relationship that God gives us from the shepherd to the sheep. Now, it's a little bit difficult for me to handle that God actually looks at me as a sheep. For years, I've taken a little bit of offense to that. Because sheep aren't necessarily the sharpest knife in the drawer. They're pretty much clueless about almost everything, but, and that's about it. Amen. And if you can pride yourself a little bit about being able to see things accurately and making a good choice, that's not a sheep. I mean, if you got in a huddle like a football game and said, on three, go find your favorite pasture, if they found one, it would be by accident. The majority of them would be in a ditch somewhere. Sorry, but that's kind of how I've always seen it until recently. Let me share why. Look over here at John chapter 10. Verse 1 through 6 in the New King James Version says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name. Notice what it says about the sheep concerning the shepherd. The sheep, what? Hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Now think for a moment here. There's some things about the sheep that are absolute. When I use that word, it's a very interesting word, but it's an extremely necessary word for you to be able to connect with God. You say, what is it? Absolute. Absoluteness. God is very absolute. He is what He is, and He's not what He's not. And He's not going to bend to come over to you to buy into your worldliness. You have to change to come to Him. He already sent the best that he had, which was his son, to undo everything that the first man, Adam, messed up by tying us to the to-do list, release us to be able to connect to God once again and actually have Garden of Eden experiences where while we're hanging out with Jesus, Jesus is fixing everything for you. Come on, we, we, we don't see this like we should. Because if we did, we'd start to let go of one thing after another that we're involved in. 
You say, well, I, 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 I like some of the things that I'm involved in. Well, I know you do. The world has made things to be very entertaining. But all that says to me is, is you've never really been entertained by the Holy Spirit before because the moment you start experiencing God, there's nothing of the entertainment of the world that can compare. You know, it better be this way because we're going to be with him for eons upon eons upon eons. And if he's boring after the first 10 days, we're going to be looking for another option. But the other option is not good. It's real hot down there, and you're not going to like it at all. So it better be good, and it is. For all eternity, he's going to show us another side of his loving kindness and grace toward us in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? That means we're all going to live in a perpetual state of wow. <laughs> I mean, every day you're going to think, there's no way. Our talk is going to be, can you believe what he showed us? Oh, my goodness. I can't believe it. I can't believe it either. It's amazing. It's so amazing. And the next day you're going to get up and you're going to see something that dwarfs what you saw the day. But is it not amazing that every single snowflake has a different design? No one thumbprint is the same. Come on. God has the most amazing imagination that has eternal effect. Amen. There's no limitation. There's no boundary to God. We're going to literally be amazed every day of eternity. That's why I'm telling you, we have the wrong idea about God. The idea came from religion and tradition that makes God and your relationship with God be whether or not you've studied enough, whether or not you prayed enough, whether or not you have perfect attendance. Praise the Lord. Look at my badges here. That means nothing in the sight of God. A relationship with God is a relationship with a person. And that person is the most unique person that there is in all eternity. He created it all. The joy of spending a moment in his presence is worth a thousand years. Let alone a lifetime in his presence. We've had the idea of religion and tradition, not true relationship. For most people, their relationship with God is the Bible. But the Bible is your instruction manual to get you to God. There's nothing in the world like just minding your own business, having thoughts of your Savior, being conscious of His wonderful creation all around you, and the Holy Spirit says to you, go talk to that individual over there. And the moment you begin to take a step to go talk to them, the Lord shows you that there's a problem with their shoulder. You walk up to them and say, is, there, is it possible that you're having some shoulder problems? They say, oh my God, I didn't even know you. How would you know that? And then it's amazing what happens. And in a second, the person's got a healed shoulder. You're walking away thinking, oh my gosh, Lord, you're using me. Or how about the Lord telling you something that's going to happen before it comes? I remember sitting in the service with my wife when we were first married. And I looked at her and I just nudged her and said, watch. In the next 10 seconds, the pastor's going to say there's someone that has a problem with the left shoulder. She says, huh? At the same time she said, huh? The pastor said, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's someone that's got a problem with the left shoulder. Who is that? And she looks at me with big eyes and I just went, huh? Well, I just... <laughs> You know, I, I was just messing with it, you know. But, but the point is, you can hear him all the time. And even in a service like this, 
before I say something, this is what the Lord just said to me, you can be tapped into the same thing and just know there are three people that I know are going to get healed in here before I even say something as a measure of you learning how to hear him. Why? Because the scripture doesn't say, my sheep are going to hear me. They're going to follow me. They're going to know me. That would be future tense. He said, my sheep know me. My sheep hear me, and my sheep follow me, which means it's absolute. The reason why God speaks with absoluteness is that's the only way for you to have unfeigned, immovable faith that will dare the impossible is when you know there are no variables. What he says is what will come to pass. He will not change his word. It will not return to him void. It will accomplish what it was sent to accomplish and prosper therein where it was sent. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. So for a moment, look at what he's talking to you about by being sheep. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm not as offended as I was before. I'm starting to think maybe, I don't know, it's possible I could like this. In the Message Bible, it says, when he gets all his sheep out, he leads them and they follow because they are familiar with his voice. I like that. Familiar with his voice. Not only I just know it, I'm familiar with it. Come on, if you ever remember being a little kid and being lost in the midst of a crowd and you cried out and then all of a sudden you heard your dad's voice, Jimmy! And you just knew right away, that's my dad speaking right there. That's my dad speaking. Huh? You just know that sound. You're familiar to it. Well, I hope I'm going to be familiar. He didn't say to hope for it. He said it's a fact. He said it's absolute. Why would God speak like that? So that someone might have the brave idea of saying, if he said I know him, then my God, I'm going to take off running. Know that by the time I get going, God's going to speak to me. Oh, come on, somebody. This is how we get real bold by the things that God says to us. I'm getting ready for a healing school back in those days, and there are all kinds of people that were coming, and healings were taking place like crazy. And you might think, you know, oh, that's, you know, I, man, I never had one of those thoughts like I thought I was something. I kept thinking about all the ones that didn't get healed. So I was humbled after every time we'd have all kinds of healings. I'd go back to the room and be thrilled, and then the other part of it was, Lord, what about the ones that didn't get it? So I was always you know, thinking, Lord, we got to do better, got to do better. And still to this day, it'll keep you real humble to be in a healing ministry. And I remember one day I had my hand on the door. No one was in my office. I'd been praying, and I was getting ready to go out, and I really felt kind of lumpy about myself. I thought, Lord, they've heard everything I've got to say two or three times. I mean, I need some new stuff, you know what I mean? And I thought, Lord, uh, what am I going to do? That's what I said out loud. What am I going to do today? had my hand on the door, and I heard as, as loud as an audible voice, the Holy Ghost said, whatever you do, Jimmy, I'll back you up. Looked in my room like this. Who's in my room? <laughs> Looked underneath the desk. No one's, I, I'm the only one that's been in my room. It's not, not like it's a big room. And I said, Lord, were you speaking to me? And he said, whatever you do, I'll back you up. And then I said, you didn't say whatever I would do, did you? He said, I said, whatever you do, I'll back you up. Wow. Well, that's worth what? An experiment. Sure enough. Amen? 
Man, I jumped right out there in that, that healing school and said, well, then let's just prove this to be true. As soon as I got the platform, I said, well, we're going to have two miracles in this room, at least two miracles in this room before we leave today. Somebody tell me how many miracles we're going to have. Everybody say two. That's right, two. And the whole time I'm saying it is so that he'll back me up. So I'm thinking if I say it, then he's going to show me what to do. So for the next 30 minutes, about every five minutes, I said, how many miracles are we going to have? Two. And I kept on repeating it, waiting for him to say something. And he didn't say anything. So it ticked me off. So on the inside of my heart, while I'm being nice to the people, I'm having a little bit of a wrestling match with the Lord saying, you said you backed me up and you haven't said anything since I've been giving you an, a platform to do something. And so I said, and if you're not going to do anything, then darn it, I am. And I jumped off the platform and said, now you're going to see your first miracle. The only thing was, I didn't have a clue what it was, you know. <laughs> and I jumped off, and in, in the midst of me saying, you're going to see your first miracle, jumped off the platform, my eyes looked at this lady in the front and said, you're the first miracle. He said, how'd you know that? I have no idea how I knew that. If you were to stop and ask me, and questioned me as to why I knew that, I might have backed out of it. Well, how do you know? And I would have said, well, I, I, I don't know how I know. Well, then why would you pick on her? I mean, I, I, I don't know why I picked on her. Well, how do you know it's going to work? Well, after talking with you, I'm not so sure. <laughs> right? That's what would have happened. But no one was there to cause me to doubt. So I said, you're the first miracle. What's wrong with you? She said, I have fibromyalgia for the last 30 years. I'm in constant pain. I've never had a moment without being in pain in my body. I sit in the name and I put my hand like that. People said they saw fire come out of my hand, hit her on top of the head. She's boom, hit the, hit the ground. When she got up off the ground, I said, how you doing? I didn't have to ask her. I started to say, how you doing? She's starting to hoop and holler like an old-time Pentecost. She said, my God, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. There's no more pain, glory. And she took off running, and the ushers took off running with her. We trained the ushers to run with people that run. Sometimes they ran with them. Sometimes they ran to get them. But anyhow, they went with them. Okay, and they all ran, and there was a whole train of people that ran around. We even had we even had skid marks about three feet high on the corners where people would bank. They go so fast. It got so wild in prayer school that we had to tell them which way to go. We said, "Everybody, go to your right." And every once in a while, there'd be a big lumberjack. He'd be going to the left, and I'd be shouting, "Your other right! Your other right!" As he turned the corner and mow down two or three participants that were going the right direction and so everybody ran and when they came back I looked at her and I said well today's Wednesday as you know and obviously tomorrow's Thursday but Thursday is our day to lay hands on the sick if you need anything else you come back tomorrow she looked she said well today's the only day I could be here I said well praise the Lord I went back up to preach it I said how many miracles we're we gonna have everybody said we're gonna have two I said that's right so we got one more left praise the Lord at least one more and I kept I didn't learn anything from the first 30 minutes so every five minutes, one more, praise the Lord, everybody say one, one. All right, praise the Lord, we went back to teaching. One more, praise the Lord, everybody say one, one. Went back to preaching, and I got ticked off again after 30 minutes. It's like, what's the deal with you? How come you ain't doing anything? Like you didn't learn anything. And I said, if you're not going to do anything, I am. Jumped off the platform, said, now you're getting ready to see your second miracle. And I don't want, know why, but in about the fourth row, I saw this woman back there. I said, you're the next miracle. 
If somebody would have asked me, they could have talked me out of it. I don't know how I knew. I just looked at her and said, you're the one. What's wrong with you? And she said, well, I've got bone spurs on my heels. I haven't put my heels down in a very, very long time. She said, it's amazingly painful. I said, step out in the aisle. I said, I'm going to count to three. And you're going to pick up your feet and you're going to slam them into the ground. And you're either going to hurt worse or you're going to be healed one of the two. <laughs> he said, how come you said it like that? I wanted her to have the option. What do you mean? If inside her heart she chooses to be well when she could hurt, look at, what she, look at the value that she's giving Jesus. Right? Because she's choosing. I didn't say, hung one, pray everybody get ready. Two, hallelujah, hallelujah, praise the Lord. No, I just said one, two, three. And she starts, and all of a sudden her eyes lit up on the first, and then she just started stomping like this. Oh, my God, I'm healed. She took off running. The ushers took off running. There was a whole train of people that took off running. When she came back, I looked at her and said, as you heard me say, being Wednesday as it is, tomorrow's a lay, laying on a hands day. If you need anything else, come back tomorrow. She said, like the first, this was my only day I could be here. Hmm. And now I started to think, because you said, whatever you do, I'll back you up, I said, there'll be two people that'll get healed today, and you showed me the two people that couldn't come back. What if there were three that couldn't come back, and I stopped at two? Hmm. That began to change me. Sure. That began to do what? Began to give me a whole nother idea of what God wants to do. How was I able to even work with him that much? Because I heard him. Why did I hear him? Because I'm a sheep. I'm starting to kind of get over the idea that there's something wrong with being a sheep. Hmm. Let's go just a little bit further. John chapter 10 verse 14 in the Passion Translation for Passion Church. I alone am the good shepherd, and I know those whose hearts are mine, for they recognize me and know me. There's another word. The other word is recognize. They recognize and know me. Amplified said the same thing. I am the good shepherd, and I know and recognize my own, and my own know and recognize me. Okay, so I have to tell you this little story here because I saw a video about sheep, and I'm going to try to give this in a, in a G-rated uh, version, okay? But there's a part of me that wants to, to, to give it in a little different version, but i got to be careful, okay? So anyhow, um, it's a video about a bunch of sheep that are about at the back door. And there's probably 20 sheep there, black-faced sheep. And this must be over in some old country because it's a stone wall. And those old stone walls only usually came to about mid-thigh. Where today, you know, our barbed wire fence usually comes up to about, about your chest, you know, usually. So, I mean, it's a little bit more difficult to get past them. But this was an old stone fence. Inside the stone fence was a barbed wire fence, which is kind of interesting because I obviously modernized it. And there were a bunch of, of, of travelers that must have gotten out of a bus or something. And they were all looking at the, they're all talking like this and they're woo-hoo. You know, they're trying to get the sheep to look. And the interesting thing about the sheep is they weren't paying attention at all. Zip. Nada. Not one of them lifted their head to see what idiots are trying to get me to pay attention to them. All right? They're literally all faced 
that way, and they're giving these travelers their best side, which is this way. Now, I could say it differently. There's a lot of ways to say that, you know, that the world has given us, but I won't say anything, okay? Just give you the idea that look at what the sheep were doing. They were literally letting the visitors see their backside while they just enjoyed eating the grass. Did they pay attention to them? Not at all. Did they hear them? They didn't listen because those sounds weren't the right sounds. And if they weren't the right sounds coming from the right people, they literally ignored it. And all of a sudden, while this is going on, I'm not watching this, and I'm putting two to two together because, you know, I'm getting over this idea that I don't like being a sheep. I see a shepherd come in from the side. He didn't walk up to them. He just stood there. He said one word, and it was the greatest. You, I can't do it justice but they didn't just lift up their head and looked. They, with excitement, looked. And when one looked, another looked, another looked, another looked, and then they all just took off running for him. Like this is what makes our heart throb. This shepherd recognized his voice, immediately ran to him, and then all of a sudden it came to me. The shepherd didn't train them to do that. That was in their DNA. God made them to hear one voice, recognize it, follow it, and let that voice lead them. But the voice of a stranger or another, right here. <laughs> and all of a sudden, after looking at that video, I thought, I love being a sheep. Because what it did for me is it took away all the effort to try to hear his voice. All the effort to try to know him. All the effort to try to recognize. When Jesus, by his blood, saved you, he literally altered your genetic code. And in that genetic code, he placed inside of you the ability to hear God's voice, know God's voice, follow God, be led by God. And none of it is an effort. It's all innate. It just comes out of you. And all of a sudden, now I'm appreciating the idea that, my goodness, I know God. Because those that know God will be strong and do exploits. Somebody help me here. This is huge. Listen, in all these years, 33 years of traveling and ministry, if someone gets a miracle, a healing, a victory, it's always because the Holy Ghost was involved somehow. Knowing God's voice, hearing God's voice, following that voice. The significance is what? It's what makes your prayers work. It's what leads you into the better jobs. It's what causes you to have a better family life. It's what makes you never again have to what? Be condemned. Because the Holy Spirit who's in you is convicting you of your righteousness. You don't have to be condemned. You don't have to be guilty. You don't have to walk around sorrowful. You can walk around with a heart full of confidence, a heart full of joy. You can live in the peace of God. Your body can enjoy health just because you're not bought into all the drama of life that produces strife and division. 
I'm telling you, hearing God and knowing God and following God is the answer to everything. And it's what this Bible gives us, a lesson to lead us to that experience. Come on, last night I tried to leave people with an idea that God is very, very tangible. If you'd open up your heart and mind to the tangibility of God, you'd begin to experience Him. This morning I want to leave you with the idea that you are sheep and you hear Him and you know Him and you follow Him. Because if there's one person in this room that decides this week to say, All right, Lord, if what that guy preached is true, then this week I open up my heart, I open up my mind to your voice because as your sheep, I should be hearing you, I should be seeing you, recognizing you, and following you. And if you'll literally just do that and put the challenge back on him, you'll begin to hear his voice, you'll begin to recognize him, you'll begin to follow him, and you'll have experiences to come back next week and talk about. A real church, in my opinion, is a place where people are experiencing God so much that you can't wait to get here to brag on Jesus. I know what goes on for those two or three or four or five minutes when we say to everybody, well, before you're seated, go around and just enjoy one another, praise the Lord, and just talk to one another. I know what goes on. You'll find that in the midst of many people just enjoying one another's presence, you'll say something like, hey, Sister Sue, how's it going? Well, I'm taking four more medications. You know, it's just really not so great. Hey, Brother John, how are you doing? Well, my daughter left the house. We're really praying for her that she'd come back. Well, how are things going? Well, I lost my job. So easy to buy into this world. Have it on your mind so much that you're supposed to be saying, praise the Lord, isn't God so good? And what comes out of your mouth, well, I'm not feeling so good, just not feeling great. Just taking more medication, got another appointment this week. Sure hope it goes well, but you know, I'm just not sure. The last four weren't so good. And all that garbage comes spewing out of us. But you remember what happened to the sheep when the strangers? That's what should be happening to you. A bad report, you should literally be giving it your backside. Come on, somebody. There's something about us in this room. We are sheep. It's awesome. I want to show you just for a moment here before we're done and minister to a few people what the Apostle Paul thought about this because it's awesome. Really, really awesome. Look over to Romans chapter 6. And if you want to know about Jesus, you know, it's very interesting when you look at the ministry of Jesus and the life of Jesus, you know, he was constantly saying things like this. I don't say anything unless I hear my father say it. I don't do anything unless I, what, see my father do it. What was he trying to show us? The exact same thing that we're sharing with you. And what is that? That when you're a sheep, when you're a son, when you're a daughter, there is an innate relationship within you. Built in Geiger counter. Built in GPS to God. In other words, let me say it this way, God 101 FM that he started in the garden is still a real station. We just have to eliminate the other stations, tune it in, and it's just as real as it's ever been. Look at what Paul said about this whole subject here in the Message Bible. In Romans chapter 6, he says, When Jesus died, he took sin down with him, but alive he brings God down to us. From now on, think of it this way. Sin speaks a dead language that means nothing to you. Come on, somebody help me with that. Sin speaks a dead language that means nothing to you. Everything that encompasses sin would go in that. So sickness speaks a dead language, and it means nothing to you. 
Do you know many, how many people would have a little tiny, you know, pain right here or a pain right here or a pain right here and think, oh, my God, it must be the sciatic nerve. Someone have a little pain? Well, it might be cancer. It's amazing how we embellish the simplest of things that should mean nothing. Well, maybe it's just a pain. This one guy in North Carolina had a tumor in his brain, and he's dying. And I don't mean to be vulgar here, but I looked at him and I said, do you know a gas pocket kind of looks like a tumor on an x-ray? He said, what? I said, maybe it's gas. He said, what? I said, you're not getting this. I said, maybe it's gas. He said, what do you mean? I said, well... Sorry, I'm saying this up here to all you nice people, but gas always has a way of working its way out. And then he looked at me and he goes, oh, my God, if it were gas, then it wouldn't really be anything. I said, that's what I'm trying to say. Maybe it's not a tumor. Maybe they just think it's one. Four days later, he went back and had a new x-ray. It was gone. It worked its way out. We buy into stuff constantly. Do you know one of the number three, the top three, one of the top reasons why people die is wrong diagnosis and wrong medications? So they said, well, it looks like a tumor. Well, maybe it's not a tumor at all. Well, it looks like cancer. Maybe it's not cancer at all. Maybe we just buy into it. A guy died in a commercial freezer. Sure, the autopsy said it was what? Hypothermia. The only problem was, well, the freezer wasn't on. That'll make you think. A guy came up to me and said, I got to tell you about my mother-in-law. I braced because their stories are usually not good. I said, okay, now I'm ready. And he said, my mother-in-law is the most cantankerous woman you've ever seen in life. I said, oh, here it comes. He said, when she turned 50 years old, she started feeling bad for herself. So she started telling the family, the whole family, I'll tell you what the next person in this family that gets cancer is going to be me. And everybody said, Mama, don't say something like that. And the more they said, Mama, don't say something like that, the more she said it because now she's getting what? Attention. And within the year, she came down with cancer. Now she's in the fight of her life a year later. And in the midst of things going south very quickly, what happened? She lost her mind. The moment she lost her mind within a week, the cancer left. I mean, just cut our heads off and we'd be healed. <laughs> See, once she lost her mind, she wasn't thinking about the cancer. Because to not only embellish the idea that I'll have it is to invite it because you believe in it. And then once you got it, to fight against it is to say that it's real. Because if it wasn't real, what would you do but say, that's not real? I mean, I, I, I really don't like when Hollywood comes up with a thought that's better than the, the greatest majority of Christianity. And if you remember those movies like Allegiant, and what are some of those other ones? Allegiant and, and uh, help me. Divergent and all that. Remember, uh, the, the girl there, she's being tested for what faction she's in. 
And in the middle of being put into the serum that's put into her, now she's having these, these dreams or these nightmares coming to her. And how she reacts will be the faction that she is. Remember that? And there's all these birds coming after her and she's stuck in mud and she falls down and they're pecking at her and she looks into a little bit of water and sees her reflection. And when she saw herself, she immediately says, this isn't real and goes right into the water and escapes the birds. And now she's in, the, in one of those containers that's plexiglass and water starts coming into it and she's trapped trying to get out and the water comes up and she takes one last deep breath and when she comes back into the water she sees her reflection and says this isn't real and taps on the glass and it all busts and then she comes back to herself and the guy's like uh, how did you do that so fast but that's perfect because that's a Christian if you're listening to God he's gonna tell you that ain't real if he's listening to God, he's like, don't buy into that. If he's listening to God, he's going to say, don't listen to that sound. You don't hear those sounds. What about my sound? I said just you're the heel to the Lord. I said that from the top of your head to the soles of your feet, you're blessed. And if I said you're blessed, then you're blessed. See, we need bold actions in the day that we're living, and we don't have very many bold actions. I'm telling you what, most Christians, if they ever do get out of their own way, they'll treat God like a swimming pool where they just put their foot in, and they just, oh, that's cold. Come on, you sissy, get in the pool. And then they'll just splash a little bit here, and they'll splash a little bit there, and then they get down to where they're up in the, you know, the belly, and then they say to all the kids, don't splash me, don't splash me, you know? And it's like, oh, my God, that's agony. You could have been in the pool like 40 minutes ago. Bold actions is to get on the diving board and jump in. We don't have much of that. Why? Because people aren't allowing God to be real. Finish this thought. We'll minister to you and get you out before the Baptist. How's <laughs> Baptist for 23 years? Hey, man, we were smarter than everybody. We knew what God was going to do on Wednesday and printed it in the bulletin. <laughs> it says here, Sin, sickness, disease, trouble speaks a dead language that means nothing to you. Listen to the next part. God speaks your mother tongue and you hang on every word. Does anybody in this room know another language besides English? You do? You know a little bit? You know another language? You, you what? 26? I don't even know what that is. So kudos to you. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I'm, I learned one. And you're learning 26. You're 25 ahead of me. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so, so my point is, if someone were to come up here, do you know Spanish? So if you were to come up here and you were to begin to praise the Lord in Spanish, okay, and I would begin to praise the Lord in English, for all of you who do not know Spanish because it's not your mother tongue, you would hear her but your ears wouldn't go to her because there's no distinction. While you're hearing her, she would be more noise. You would listen to my words because there's distinction. Notice God is our mother tongue. 
The very fact that we can make distinctions out of the sounds of the world means we've been hoodwinked, folks. I'm telling you, this can turn around very, very quickly. When you start hearing God speak to you, you turn around and He's there. The realness of God is what's coming back to the church right before He comes. We're going to literally see the religion leave us and we're going to see the realness come back. People will begin to have testimonies constantly saying, the Lord said to me, the Lord said to me. Have you ever had a minister come and say, I believe what the Lord is saying. Well, I'm like, time out. Don't tell me what you believe the Lord is saying. Tell me what he's saying. And if you don't know, then shut up. Many a person has gotten in trouble with what? Listening to what someone believed God was saying. You should know yourself. Praise the Lord. Who's had stomach problems in here? God wants to heal you. Sir, come on up. Anybody else had difficulty with your stomach? Come on up and let God heal you, all right? 